0: The Koffler Gallery is proud to present the world premiere of a heart-wrenching and fascinating exhibition, The Synagogue at Babinyar, Turning the Nightmares of Evil into a Shared Dream of Good. Opening on the eve of Yom HaShoah, April 17th, and running until November, the multidisciplinary exhibition tells the bittersweet story of the Babinyar Synagogue, which stands on the grounds of the first large-scale massacre of the Holocaust in 1941. Experience the full historical, political, artistic, and spiritual context of this incredible monument for the first time. The exhibition is free of charge. To learn more, visit KofflerArts.org.
1: Well, Flavius, this is where the murder took place. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute. Who's that suspicious-looking guy over there with the ugly face, the shifty eyes, and the low forehead? You're looking in the mirror.
2: <laughs> Nice-looking boy, yeah. <laughs> All right, Brutus, That's a scene from Wayne and Schuster's biggest comedy hit. It's called Rinse the Blood Off My Toga, and it was their adaptation of William Shakespeare's classic play describing the assassination of Roman Emperor Julius Caesar, but with a sort of New York gangster twist. Johnny Wayne and Frank Schuster were Canada's most famous Canadian sketch comedy act. They got their start in the 1940s at a high school in Toronto and later at the University of Toronto. During the Second World War, they went overseas and entertained the troops. And when they came back, they shot to stardom, first with CBC radio programs, then CBC television specials. They aired for decades until the late 1980s. Some people describe their brand of comedy as literate slapstick, which makes sense since they were English majors. They spoofed popular culture too, including Star Trek and The Six Million Dollar Man, even the House of Commons in Ottawa. And while you can still find a bit of their classic sketches here and there on YouTube, the bulk of their television work is still in the vaults of the CBC. Johnny Wayne died in 1990, and Frank Schuster died a decade later. And for years, their children have been trying unsuccessfully to persuade the CBC to either rebroadcast their father's material for a new generation of fans to enjoy, or license it to somebody else to do it. To date, the CBC has not agreed. The reasons why are complicated, and so the families are now trying another route. They've teamed up with a theatre company in Toronto to launch a new live Wayne and Schuster stage show, using old printed radio scripts for which they do have the rights. And some pretty high-profile Canadian comedians have signed on to the project, and it opens May 25th.
3: They were they were everyday people, and and they um and they defended the people of Canada. It's like Frank said, he wanted to do it for the blue-haired uh, ladies in in BC. And my father always said, I want to do it for the the poor guy in Saskatoon that needs a smile and a laugh.
2: I'm Ellen Bessner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, May the fourth, twenty twenty-three. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Wayne & Schuster's legacy has been honoured in many ways, with a star on Canada's Walk of Fame, induction into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, they won a Genie Award for Lifetime Achievement, and there have been other posthumous tributes too, including most recently in Stratford, Ontario, and by the Toronto Jewish Film Festival, and the City of Toronto even named Elaine after them. All the more reason, their families say, for Wayne & Schuster's famous shtick to be seen and heard again. Joining me now are Brian Wayne. He's a retired producer from CBC's Hockey Night in Canada. Michael Wayne, the oldest son, is a retired history professor from the U of T. Rosie Schuster is Frank's daughter. She's a comedy writer who also worked for Saturday Night Live, and she's in California. And the producers of the new live show are also here. They're Emily Dix and Connor Fitzgerald of Toronto's Bygone Theatre. Thanks, Ellen. Thank you. It's great to have you all together and great to interview you. It's an honor to have you here. So I'm going to open it up to anyone to start about how this whole idea got started.
3: Uh, I was talking to a bunch of university kids a little while ago, and uh, it came out that my father, I said, my father was Johnny Wayne of the comedy team of Wayne and Schuster. And they said, who? And I said, you know, comedy team like Crosby and Hope. Who? <laughs> like um, Martin and Lewis. Who? Burns and Allen. Who? Is it, okay, the Smothers Brothers. They go, who? And I said, listen, they were a great comedy team from Canada that was on television for a long time. And they said, oh, like Key and Peele. And I said, who? And so it became apparent that people didn't know Wayne and Schuster very well, the new generation. So we were lucky that we managed to uh, talk to the people from bygone theater. And we said to them, is there any way that we can sort of bring back the comedy of Wayne and Schuster back to the younger generation? And uh, they're very gratefully that Connor And Emily uh, grabbed the ball and ran with it and started getting um, to produce uh, show sketches based on the comedy of Wayne and Schuster.
2: So you approach them or Connor and Emily, you approach the family. How
4: did this match in heaven happen? I would say it it was sort of uh, both um, in a weird way because I think the first contact I had was with Michael because I was doing a a school program at Schulich school of business. And, um, and I think Michael and possibly Brian had approached the school to have uh, an intern to try to find uh, out who, how to license and how to get some of the original shows back on the air. And, Uh, I was in law school and doing my MBA. So they thought that I'd be a great fit. So I was introduced to Michael on that project. And basically it was through those initial conversations with the school and Michael and, and then being introduced to Brian and Rosie that we really started thinking about how one, how important this is for Canada um, and how fantastic the the material is and how it's just not being used um so this was sort of also a way to to just forget about spending thousands and thousands of dollars to license it and get it on the air but to still share it in a in a as a first piece
5: um and we both knew who Wayne used were. um I remember watching I guess probably like repeats and VHS and stuff with my uh grandpa when I was little but um I was very excited.
3: Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, what was very encouraging talking to these two younger people is that they um, watched a lot of the Wayne and Schuster stuff. And they said to us, hey, you know, this stuff is pretty funny. And it stands up even today. And we would really like they encouraged uh, us to, to do this because they said we would like to be able to bring this stuff to a new generation and back to the older generation, because people still tell us, you know, we used to watch your shows when I was a kid and we really liked it. So it was, it was nice to see. And I think this does really uh, transcend uh, all generations.
2: What do you think the challenges are of making sure that it doesn't offend people the way, because that would be cancel culture. Do you know what I mean? So how do you navigate that?
5: That hasn't really been an issue. Um, That was something we, we talked about early on was, Um, neither of us had any memories of anything that would be offensive but we've gone through a lot of stuff and we're like is there anything that's going to seem inappropriate and I haven't come across anything Uh, it's something as a company that does older shows we're acutely aware of Um, but I don't think that was the kind of humor they were doing they did a lot of stuff that was based off of Um, really highbrow concepts and I don't think you as often find offensive things in that because there's an actual joke to it instead of let's just pick on some type of person Um, and I think that's that's part of why it still works today too there's some little references that are you know pop culture things that maybe people wouldn't get but the gist of them is based on Shakespeare baseball anybody who knows Shakespeare is you know and you don't have to know them well um you know stuff with Sherlock Holmes uh everybody gets the sort of gritty crime uh drama and knows some basics about Julius Caesar yeah I guess it's just they they took inspiration from things that were already um so canonical that it's it's the same stuff we all know today.
2: I'd like Rosie and Michael to weigh in on that question about the timeliness of the material well,
6: the, I mean, the, some of it is classic, so classic is classic. It's in an, it's anytime, And I don't even mind that there's a bit of dated stuff that this is historic i mean, this is historical i i I personally find that kind of interesting, even if it's not in my reference. I kind of can figure out you know what it what it pertained to back then,
2: Michael.
1: Being a historian, I also agree that uh, we would like to see things as they were seen at the time, so that we can understand what it says about the period in which they were made. I would also like to point out, um, we'll get to this I'm sure, but I've heard from people of different backgrounds, Uh, I have a colleague uh, at the U of T, whose family is uh, Italian Catholic, and they all had to be around the TV to watch Wayne and Schuster on Saturday nights because it spoke to them. I have a, a friend who's Muslim from uh, Northern Ontario, and their family had to be around the TV to see it all as well. And that's so special to us that our parents, our dads really wanted to say to people in Canada, you're all part of this country. It's not well, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant alone, it's everybody who's here.
2: That's interesting that you mentioned white Anglo-Saxon Protestant because they were Jewish. And I wonder, maybe you can tell us, was there any restriction on what kind of material, Jewish material, they were allowed to use? Or were there any pushback on them sort of putting jewish characters or jewish stuff in?
6: I think there was a built-in sensitivity not to be to, you know, Catskill, Borscht Belt, you know, that they didn't want to schmaltz it up, you know, they wanted as wide, and this is coming out of the Second World War, of course, that shaped them so much, so there was a sensitivity about not to lay it on too thick. They had little winks to the, to their Jewishness, for those who understood,
2: um, did they experience, anti- you mentioned the war, and I know they served in the war, uh, but as entertainers, I, I wrote about it, I should, our audience probably knows, it. they're in my book about the Canadians who served. Did, was that a seminal influence on their lives, being overseas under fire? How, how impactful was that on them?
3: That was very important uh, and tough to them. Uh, I know when he learned um, his father had actually gone to Ottawa prior to the war when, or when the war had just started, I guess, when there was the ship that was coming from Germany um, to. The
2: MS St. Louis.
3: And, and begged and pleaded with the Canadian government to let that, um, and that was my grandfather, whom I'm named after, and um, he begged the Canadian government to allow the ship to land. And of course, they didn't send it back, and they sent it back. And, and so he was greatly affected by that, but what he always used to say, he said, when he was performing, uh, they were the only two people that were shot at from both sides. (laughs) Yeah. And and he did do jokes, winks and nods to my, uh, to my grandmother. And he'd sort of give us a little nudge when he, uh, used some Yiddish words and things like that. And he said, you know, that one's for Booby.
2: Yeah. I mean, one that I remember, that I
6: remember is that they in the I don't get maybe it was the brown pumpernickel, but they walked past these huge barrels and my dad, I think my dad threw out the new dills are in, you know, just he knew who would appreciate that.
2: Right. Did they experience anti-Semitism in their careers as they navigated their their fame?
6: I think they were very aware of the CBC being very Gentile, (laughs) predominantly in its makeup. Um, It wasn't United States show business, you know, where there were a lot more Jewish people. So they were very aware of it. Um, And I think they tread softly.
3: They wanted to, because they, they looked on themselves as, uh, really uniters of the country. And they wanted to, I think they sort of rose above that and, and they really wanted to ignore it that, um, you know, they were, they were aware of it because he would discuss that with us um, from time to time. But he, he wanted to say that, you know, it was important that he became uh, and they became a unifying force in the country, especially after the war, because, um It was a new time and a new era for Canada. And they really felt that they were part of creating a new Canadian culture of unity. And I think they did a pretty good job.
2: Can we go back to something that you raised earlier, uh, I guess I'll ask all of you, and that is the difficulties of the fact that someone else holds a lot of the copyright or the licensing of this valuable cultural material. Mm -hmm. And it's stuck there. Can you elaborate a little bit about this challenge and what you would like to see happen if possible?
6: I would just perform knocking my head against the wall. That's my addition.
4: Maybe um I'll maybe I'll I'll do a bit about what I've gone through in in the last 2 years um having this has been my focus through law school and then um now working with Canadian heritage I've been like learning deeply about copyright and, and some of these challenges for Wayne and Schuster, but also for other cultural property that we see. And obviously part, there, there's two big parts to it. One is that of course, just like legally speaking, you know, we have this system of ownership that we abide by and it, it benefits artists for, for years and years. It gets um, two the older materials. Sometimes they didn't think, forward about how the rights would be used so sometimes there just aren't agreements in place so people just won't know how they can use it even if they wanted to Um, and that creates this weird mishmash of rights that are available and not available and people who are scared of using it even for commercial purposes Um, so it becomes really challenging to to sort of navigate that that area. Um, I think there's a a bigger question in Canada, uh, when it comes to rights, and especially rights to things like Wayne and Schuster, about how impactful they are for our heritage. And I think that's a, a really big moral question that we have to ask ourselves as a nation about whether or not there's some reason, apart from this legal reason, to share these stories with with the nation because I think it's important for I mean we've been talking about how it grew Canada uh, as a culture and comedy especially is a massive part of our culture um, and that and a lot of people as we've been talking about haven't even been able to be exposed to that to know that we have that um, that we've grown with that so there's the legal aspect of it that's muddy and weird and hard to navigate and then there's that other moral aspect of it that we're we're combating too with like what what should we just have what should what belongs to Canada well and it,
5: it's sort of a funny thing that some of their work is at the National Archive mm-hmm. um, so there have been people in the government who've decided oh this is important this needs to be preserved but going the extra step to be like, well, what's the point in keeping something if it's just walked away, you know? um, I I think Canada does that a lot of the time is we can realize this is something important that we need to keep, but finding a way to grow and and continue to um, share the parts of our past that are good while also encouraging new things. It's like we, get kind of afraid of that and say well this happened before and so we don't want to look too closely or question it or anything we're just going to say yep yeah, and put it aside so
1: but it's also it the, it's also the case that the CBC has the uh well the film <laughs> of their shows and it's it's quite simple the CBC can make them available or they can't Uh, Or they don't want to.
0: UJA's Walk with Israel is happening this Victoria Day, Monday, May 22nd. Join thousands of community members for the world's largest Israel Solidarity Walk, followed by an epic Israeli themed beach party to celebrate Israel's 75th birthday. Get all the details by visiting walkwithisrael.com. This is our moment to unite as one strong and proud Jewish community. Religious and secular, left and right, Jews and allies, everyone belongs at the Walk with Israel. Register before May 19th. And if you use the promo code CJN, you can save 10% on all Walk Bundle packages. To register, visit walkwithisrael.com.
2: Who in the world of comedy now, and this is the personal thing, and I'm throwing it at you. I didn't give you a chance to, to even think about it would you say would be somebody that, or some group maybe that sort of channels Wayne and Schuster today or a comedian they would have liked?
6: Their form of sketch comedy was, so uh, I I would have to think about that for a long time.
3: In terms of uh, who they like, honestly, tough to tell, but I do know growing up, when they were growing up, they loved the Marx Brothers. And um, and of course, Jack Benny was probably their favorite uh, comedian growing up. Now, in terms of who they liked after that, you know, recently.
6: I just remember once my father was at Saturday Night Live and Michael O'Donoghue, who wrote very, very dark, edgy kind of stuff. And my father and this one was like shoving hot needles in your eyes it was an impression of someone and my father just looked at me and he was so sad and he said is this what the kids find funny today
2: (laughs) all right well that's a really good segue to my last question which is will the kids find this funny today and how are you going to portray it in your piece in may
5: i think they will i think there's certain types of comedy that are I can't, can't, you can't say universal, but are spread over different generations. This has already proven that has. Everyone I've met who's 40 and above gets so excited. Uh, It's a bit more hit and miss with people younger, but it's even now getting to the point where people who watched the like 80s specials as children have children who are old enough to be watching it, right? My uh, father grew up watching it my grandfather, I wish he was still around because he was a huge fan, right? So you're looking at people born from 1930 to 1989, who all enjoyed the same thing. And I guess it goes back to what their overall subject matter is. I like vintage things. I like old stuff. I know not everybody does, but this doesn't feel dated. I think it feels classic and there's some sketches you could put on and I don't think anyone would know that they're as old as they are. Like like the rinse the blood off my
4: toga. Yep. The jokes hold up no matter what. And I also think when I see the combination, because it's it's satire and it's clever and it's um, it's deep comedy, but then you have interspersed in it these goofy fun moments that are just funny because they're just... Goofy.
5: Lots of mugging, lots of look like. Flavius
4: Maximus, Private and Roman Eye. What do you know about this?
5: I told him, I told him, Julie, don't go. Julie, don't go. I told him, no, he wouldn't listen. Hello, Mrs. Caesar. I, I... pleaded with him, don't go. If I told him once, I told him a thousand times, Julie, don't go. Yeah, Mrs. Caesar. So
2: How meaningful is this to the three of you? After all these years of pushing and trying to get the name revived, I mean, I know that it's on, on TV somewhere in Australia, and maybe there's like a random YouTube video here and there that people can sort of watch, but really it's been kind of crickets for decades. Right. It's only
1: on radio in Australia, not TV.
2: It's a beautiful perk. I mean, it's fabulous. It is. I know that uh, in your one of your families, we have to say this, that the name Johnny Wayne has not been lost to history. Do you mm-hmm. want to tell us your nice news, Michael?
1: Uh, well, my daughter Beatrice, named after my mother, uh, has a son whose uh, full name is Johannes Markey and Lane, but they call him Johnny. Her husband, Lars, uh, uh, was quite open to her, uh, having the last, Johnny having the last name Wayne. So there you go. We have a Johnny Wayne who's now a little over two years old, who will be... Uh, well, enjoying his great grandfather for some time.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. Listen, it has been really an honor to speak to you all. Thank you so much for being on the CJN Daily, and I can't wait to come see the play. Thank, Thanks. You,
3: Thank, Thank you, you so much for having us. Thanks, Ellen.
2: The new Wayne and Schuster play opens on Thursday, May 25th at Hart House in Toronto. Only four shows. The kids will be there too for a meet and greet. You can check the link in our show notes for tickets and more information. We've also put links in so you can watch the Rinse the Blood off My Toga skit on YouTube. I would love to hear your stories about memories of Wayne and Schuster. So write to me at ebesner at the cjn.ca. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily. Sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Izzy Steckler in Montreal. He was one of the people who won a copy of David Matlow's new book by guessing the correct answer to our skill-testing question from our Israel at 75 quiz – if you missed that episode, we still have three more books to give away and we'll end the show with Wayne and Schuster's famous Shakespearean baseball game, where Johnny Wayne plays a slumping catcher and Frank Schuster plays his team's manager. Enjoy.
1: Is it not monstrous that this player here, but in a fiction, in a dream of passion, should gaze upon the record book and find that he has 10 games hitless gone? Oh, cursed fate that I who led the league should now bat two. Oh, eight. A hit! A hit! My kingdom for a hit! Once more, to hear that welcome crack of bat upon the ball and then to run from first to second, then to third, and then to dig for a home, to slide, slide, SLIDE! Aye, there's the rub. <laughs>